0: We're going to begin today a new series through the book of Proverbs. And the reason I want us to work through Proverbs is is for a couple of reasons. For one, life isn't easy. Um, While things may go well for a season, we all know that it's just a matter of time before the difficulties or the circumstances beyond our control or just the complications of relationships, things like that, catch up with us. Eventually, our own mistakes, the mistakes of someone else, or just the unpredictability of life will cause us chaos. One minute you're eating dinner, and then the next minute you're having to evacuate your house because the hill behind your house is on fire. Right, Phil? Um, uh, Things are going well in your life, and that uncle who just cannot learn from his own mistakes calls, and when you saw the number on your phone, you're like, all right, I'll answer it this time, right? Right? I mean, y'all know that guy, or a friend, uncle. Everybody's got that one, one person in their life. We can name, actually name situations all day, but thankfully, the Scripture speaks and gives us insight into how to deal with the complexities of life in a fallen world in which we live. And so, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to look at this series from the book of Proverbs, but it's not going to be a, like this thorough, verse-by-verse through the book of Proverbs, because Proverbs isn't even really written that way. Um, rather, what we're going to do is we're going to take eight weeks, and we're going to look at the characters that are described throughout the book of Proverbs, characters like Lady Wisdom and Woman Folly, and the rich man and the poor man, friends and family and neighbors, the wise man, the righteous man, the sinner, and God. And the book of Proverbs is its part of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, which includes Job, Psalms. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And its purpose is stated right at the front of the book. So read it with me in chapter one. It says The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, and to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equality, to give prudence to the simple. And knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And to understand a proverb and a saying the words of the wise and their and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, the first thing we need to do with Proverbs is we need to address how to read this book because this book sometimes can come across as these like single two-line phrases that somehow connect to this one over here and this one over here I, and and the reality is is proverbs is a book of poetry and it's important that we take a minute to discover how to read it because it's going to help us as we spend the next 8 weeks working through this book because proverbs by definition is short Poetic sayings that are intended to convey wisdom, a wise saying. The brevity and the poetic nature of these Proverbs are intended to help us remember them. And one of the ways to think about this uh, is we have our own modern day Proverbs. You ever think about those modern day Proverbs? We use them all the time. Two wrongs don't make a right. That's a modern day Proverb. It means just because somebody did something wrong to you doesn't mean you should retaliate against them, doesn't give you the right to retaliate. Two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, How about pen is mightier than the sword, right? My favorite, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's a proverb. (laughs) And practice makes perfect. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. There's a list. Google them. There's, There's hundreds of these modern proverbs out there. And they're not inspired. They're not authoritative. But you still see my point. And The other thing when we read Proverbs, we also need to understand that the book of Proverbs is not a list of promises. Rather, it's a book of principles for wise living. And wise living will turn, it will bring blessing, and it'll help ease some of the difficulties that living in a cursed world brings. But when I say Proverbs are not promises, that doesn't mean that there's zero promises in the book. There are a few. But it also doesn't mean that there's no sense of cause and effect. The entire purpose of the wisdom literature is indeed intended to have a cause and effect because biblical, think of it like this. Live these principles and two things will happen. You'll honor God and your life will have more meaning. There's cause and effect there. But when I say promises, biblical promises means if I follow this, then God has guaranteed me something. And that's not how we read Proverbs. Proverbs is intended to, to help us live and make wise decisions, to become people of wisdom. And that's what I hope to accomplish in this eight-week study, is I hope that we gain wisdom. In fact, that's the stated purpose of the book, to know wisdom and understand the words of insight. But what is Wisdom. In verse 7 of chapter 1, we read that wisdom, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this is repeated 22 other times in the book. You'll see, is is Lord capitalized in your Bible? Like all caps? So basically, that's another way of putting the word Yahweh there. And you, you... The fear of Yahweh, the covenant keeper, the author of Scripture, the creator, is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, there's no knowledge, no wisdom that doesn't first begin with a reverence for God. And that's how we have to approach this book. Wisdom begins with acknowledging that we need God. We acknowledge that we depend on God that we're serving God. And another another way to look at wisdom in Proverbs is to look at some of the words that Proverbs uses to describe what wisdom looks like. Um, Words like discipline and correction and insight, understanding, knowledge, discretion, righteousness, justice, fairness. Wisdom's all those things. But the interesting thing about wisdom is wisdom's not intelligence. Wisdom's not intellect, some of the smartest people I know can't get out of the rain, right? Wisdom is not just knowledge either. Wisdom is knowing when to use the knowledge you have. One of the, I think one of the best descriptions of wisdom is found in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24. In fact, won't you turn there with me? I'm going to put it on the screen, though. This this description, this is a description of wisdom in Proverbs 30.24 says, Four things on earth are small, but they're exceedingly wise. The ants are not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. They store up food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, but they build their homes in the cliffs. They knew that would make them safe. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank, The lizard you can take in your hands. You can catch it easily, yet you also find it in the king's palaces. You you see that strength and intellect don't equal wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to look at a situation and understand what to do and how to do it at the right way at the right time. That's wisdom. In fact, another modern proverb that would describe that would be work smarter, not harder. Right? And if you think back to Ephesians 5, we're told, in Ephesians 5.15, we're encouraged to, to live as wise, and the book of Proverbs gives us insight and direction in what wisdom looks like, but it's also, the last thing that's important when you're reading the book is to realize that just reading Proverbs will not make you wise. In fact, one of the Proverbs is, a proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg, is Proverbs 26.7. Interesting analogy, but there you go. If you don't exercise the wisdom you know, then you aren't wise. You're actually a fool, according to the book of Proverbs. As we look at the characters from the book of Proverbs, it's important to know who the book is written to. This book is wisdom passed from a father to a son. In fact, In verse 8, which Danny read this morning of chapter 1, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for you are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And throughout the book, the father will talk with the son about the path of life and who he's going to encounter on this journey. And that's what we're going to look at, the people that the son encounters on the journey. We'll, we'll see this path, this metaphor used over and over again. And it's used in a lot of literary work. Uh, the, this this concept of a path and a journey was used in Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Uh, poems like Robert Frost, um, The Road Not Taken. and We want to keep this this journey, this path in mind as we work through these characters that the sun will encounter. Uh, Because these characters are going to be people that we encounter in our own lives. And hopefully, we can find ourselves recognizing ourselves in some of these characters and not recognizing ourselves in some of the others. Well, we know that life is going to bring us into contact with many people and many decisions. And Proverbs will teach us how to live wisely make wise decisions, and address everyone around us as we travel our own path, just as it teaches the Son in the book of Proverbs. Now, all through the book of Proverbs, there's a choice presented to the Son, and that's where we're gonna focus today. The Son, in the opening parts of Proverbs, and then later in the second half of Proverbs, is being enticed, he's being seduced, down different paths by two different women. And today I want us to look at these two women in the book of Proverbs. In chapter 1, verse 21, the son is introduced to our first character, Lady Wisdom. It says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. And in the markets, she raises her voice, and at the head of the noisy street, she cries out at the entrance of the gates of the city, she speaks. Then turn over to chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1, wisdom's call. Do not, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice. On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand, beside the gates in the front of the town. At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. And where does Lady Wisdom speak? Here we see wisdom in, 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 in this section of uh, chapter 1 and chapter 8. Here's what we see. Wisdom is not hidden. She's where the people are gathered. It, she's in the crowded streets. She's in the public places. She's everywhere people are gathered. And she doesn't discriminate. Her message isn't just for kings and rulers, but it shouted from the entrance of the city, the place where everyone has to pass. And the message of God's truth is for the marketplace, not the palace. And she doesn't, doesn't whisper this message in hopes that someone might listen. She cries it from the high places. She stands at the crossroads shouting, and in the gates where everyone must pass, and her words are not limited to just those that listen. She warns everyone around her to heed her words. Her words have value in all of life, and her words are for the boardroom and the classroom and the the judge's chamber and the sanctuary, and and these words of wisdom should be heeded in the everyday mundane portions of life as well as in difficulties. And then in chapter 8, verse 4, she says to the son... Here are the attributes of wisdom. To you, O men, I call. I, I, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. She tells the son her words are noble. Her, Her motives are pure. She only speaks truth. She doesn't even have the ability to lie to the son. And those who follow her will find righteousness and gain knowledge that's better than gold and better than jewels and better than silver. And then keep reading in Proverbs eight twelve. It says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I find knowledge and discretion. And the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. And by me princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me and riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than silver And I walk in the righteousness in the path of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Here in these verses, she continues to entice the son with the benefits of wisdom. Wisdom tells the son, pursue me and you'll find other riches which are good judgment and knowledge and discretion. But in order to be with me, she says, you you must reject pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth. And then in verse 17, she says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. And those she loves will find riches and honor and enduring wealth and righteousness. And then verse 22, we actually get the history of wisdom. We see her origin. Verse 22 of chapter 8 says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of my work, his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth, and when there were no depths, I was brought forth, and when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, and before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world." She was there during creation, verse 27. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, and when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. Rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. Now, wisdom has established her pedigree. She's, she's ancient and worthy of consideration. And then she makes the plea to the son at the end of this chapter on why he should choose her. Verse 32, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at the gates. Waiting beside my doors for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself and all who hate me love death. Listening to the message of wisdom brings life. While, while turning a deaf ear to wisdom brings violence and death. And Lady Wisdom is a virtuous woman who only speaks the truth and she hates pride. She runs from violence. And then, as a final call to commitment to the son, the ultimate gesture of a relationship happens in chapter nine, when wisdom invites the son to share a meal. It says, wisdom has built her house. She's hewn her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her beasts. She's mixed her wine. And she has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer. He'll hate you. Reprove a wise man, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord, here it is again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you will bear it alone. And that's her invitation. That's her final invitation to the son. Come dine with me. And then the son is introduced to woman folly. Now, there's a second woman who entices the son along this path, and her name in the book of Proverbs is folly. And the description of folly is found, in, again, in Proverbs 9, when she makes her invitation to the son, her Come dine with me, invitation to the Son, in verse 13. It says, the woman folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the highest places of town, calling to all those that pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks, sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten is secret, is pleasant. But here's what the son doesn't know. He does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Like wisdom, Folly put her house on the heights of the city, and Folly calls out. In fact, she crassly calls out, brashly calls out to those who are on the straight path. And while the allegory of folly is a temptation of sin, an obvious temptation of sin, there's a subtle but direct reference, particularly to sexual sin here. Folly, you'll notice, unlike wisdom, she doesn't even try hard. She doesn't even leave her house. She just stands in her doorway. She just lazily leans against the door and obnoxiously says, hey, come over here. She knows she doesn't have to work hard because the draw of sin, she's seen it. She knows how hard it is. She knows how great the pull of sin is. And the interesting thing is she calls to the exact same group Lady Wisdom calls to. She calls to the, verse 4, the simple, the naive, those who are just starting out on the path of life. And the father has told the son, wisdom is desirable. And that a life with wisdom will bring peace, and it will bring a long life. But folly, she calls the son away from the father's instructions and says, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Folly doesn't even pretend to be virtuous. She doesn't even hide her motives. In fact, she entices the son, but she doesn't even try to trick him. Here's what she says. Turn in here. My, My water's stolen, but it's the sweetest water you've ever had. Come dine with me. All of my food is forbidden. And if you eat with me, you'll have to keep it secret. But that just makes it better, right? I mean, what happens in the house of folly stays hidden. But after all, don't the best things? I mean, come on. The the things that are the most fun, the things that need to be hidden away. Can you think of a city slogan that talks about that? However, she keeps one piece of information from the son found in verse 18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. All who choose the path of folly will eventually find themselves dead, devoured by her, poisoned by this stolen water, and then their soul is thrown into hell. Now, there's two choices presented here in the book of Proverbs, between wisdom and folly. And as we read today, we can see beneath the imagery, beneath the allegory, that we're faced with the same choice that the son in Proverbs is faced with. Which of these two women will we follow? Which one will entice us and seduce us? Lady Wisdom or folly? Will we choose the righteous path or will we drink the sweet water of folly that will poison our very souls? And to understand Proverbs, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of the sun. We're the audience. We need to make a decision. Follow wisdom or follow folly. Because wisdom resides at the highest point in the city, the place where a temple would be built. And Lady Wisdom in this this text represents God and his, his relationship with his people. And just like in other ways, God's represented in Scripture as a warrior and a shepherd and a spouse and a king and a father. But Folly, she has her house on the highest places too. And when she calls to those walking by, she says, she takes a seat on the highest places of town. But Folly represents false gods idols. Directly here, the false gods of Israel that drew them away from the one triune God, Yahweh. And here for us, she represents idols, idols of the heart. Those secret things that we keep keep hidden, the sins that we know will eventually kill us, but somehow they still cause cause us to turn from the path of wisdom. And we're confronted in Proverbs with a choice. Not just a choice about do I want an easier life. Not just decision about do we want our sorrows and our shame and our difficulties to go away. Because that's not our condition. Our condition is that we enter into this world sinners in need of the grace of God. And we enter needing to repent. And we need God to gift us faith. And the call of wisdom isn't simply a better life. The call of wisdom is salvation. And wisdom allows us, when we become believers, to even in the stresses and the chaos of life, to be like Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, and he said, when we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in us, in our own bodies. Choosing wisdom or choosing folly is not a choice about just do I want a better life. It's actually a theological decision about where does our allegiance lie. Does, it lie. does it lie with God or does our allegiance lie with ourselves? Are we going to worship God or are we going to follow the idols of our own sin and choose folly? Look back at Proverbs eight twenty two. This is the origin story of wisdom. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work and the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, and at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, and when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth before he had made the earth with its fields of the first of the dust of the world. Wisdom has been there from the beginning. If wisdom has been there from the beginning and was the one who made the world, then who better to help us navigate the chaos and the hazards of life than wisdom? Wisdom calls us to dine with her and to enter into an intimate relationship with her. And so how do we follow wisdom? How do we choose wisdom? We do that by choosing Christ. Who was there at the beginning? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and him was life, and life was the light of men. And the Gospels demonstrate that Jesus was wiser than Solomon, who was... Considered to be the greatest person man ever lived. And Jesus affirms himself that he is wisdom personified in Matthew eleven nineteen, 19. says, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then Jesus said, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus said, hey, you can call me a drunkard and a tax collector. You, you, you can call me a friend of sinners. You can call me a glutton. Wisdom is judged by our actions. Jesus said, judge me, and you'll find that I am wisdom. Paul even proclaims that Jesus is not simply wisdom. He's the manifestation of all of God's wisdom. In, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. And then in Colossians 2.3, Paul, Paul says that Christ in Christ lie all of the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's no surprise that in the New Testament, we see this subtle association between Jesus and Lady Wisdom in Proverbs. Uh, you see it again in Colossians 1:15 through 15-17. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything, In the heavenly realms and the earth, and he made the things we see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authority in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him, and he exists before anything, and he holds all of creation together. Now, I'm not saying, for those that are maybe trying to, uh, maybe you're not, but I'm not saying that Christ is a pre-incarnate that lady wisdom is a pre-incarnate version of Christ. I'm not saying that. There's still allegory happening in Proverbs. Lady is not a real person. However, I am saying that Jesus is the embodiment of God's wisdom. And the choice that's presented in Proverbs is the same choice that Jesus presents in Matthew 7. And he frames it between the, the, the narrow way and the broad way. And he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And this is the same choice in Proverbs. Between folly, the wide gate that leads to destruction, and wisdom, the narrow gate that leads us to Christ. And Jesus tells us that we've been invited to walk through the gate of wisdom. Or the gate of folly. It's our, We can decide, but... Both have prepared meals, but he also tells us in, in Luke uh, 13 that this gate is not going to stay open forever. This choice won't last forever. And that's your choice today. The choice that's presented to the Son in Proverbs is the choice presented to the crowds in Matthew and Luke. Choose Christ or choose folly. The choice presented in Proverbs is a choice between life and death. And this is the filter through which we're going to read the entire book of Proverbs as we work through the next seven characters. And we're going to continue to see this through the rest of this series because wisdom is shouting in the streets and she's calling all to follow her path, the path of righteousness and the path of goodness. And Lady Wisdom is calling you to dine and folly is calling you to dine. And you're going to choose one or the other. There's no middle ground. So who will you choose? Amen. Let's pray.